Welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Charlie, today we have a guy who I can't imagine, with all due respect to folks in Denver and maybe a couple of other communities in the National Hockey League, I can't imagine anybody who played in two markets that were as crazy for hockey this past season as our guest today. Or three in the past two years, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I You, you think of, of where he's been, world championships, uh, playing for the New York Rangers at the most famous arena in the world, uh, playing for the Seattle Kraken in their inaugural season and playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, that's that's a lot in the last two years. Uh, he's a former Admiral Colin Blackwell joining us now. Colin, it's great to see you. Great to talk to you. How is everything going? Everything's going good. Uh, uh, good to see you guys, and thanks for having me on. I uh, was telling somebody earlier today that uh, I'm really valuing and enjoying the decompression after the season. And for the Admirals, the season ended end of May. So we're at about three and a half weeks roughly now. And I'm really enjoying it with all that you have gone through over the last couple of years and throw in the fact that there were travel restrictions and all of that with COVID. I got to imagine decompression time right now for you is pretty, pretty valuable. Yeah, honestly, I would say probably for the first time in my career, it's really the first time I felt like I got to sit back and kind of actually relax a little bit and kind of decompress, like you said, and just kind of, you know, put things into perspective. I feel like the last 18 months of my life and hockey career has been, you know, a lot of ups and downs and pretty wild. And it's been pretty exciting, a lot of movement. Um, so, you know, after the season, it was a long one uh, just to kind of sit back and put a lot of things into perspective. How kind of far I've come and how much of a whirlwind essentially the last two plus hockey seasons have been. So uh, definitely enjoyed some time off, but itching to, to get back into the swing of things here. You know, we talk about the, the places you've been, but throw in another year. You've played for five different teams in the past three seasons, counting the Milwaukee Admirals. I mean, that's, that's, I don't want to say that's hell, but boy, that's a lot to deal with. Yeah, no, it definitely, uh, I mean, it seems like, when I played in Milwaukee, Nashville, it seemed like it was so long ago. Just it does. I agree. The last right. uh, couple seasons that have gone. And um, yeah, I mean, it's one thing that uh, I think earlier uh, in my career, kind of going from a new team every year type of thing, kind of set me up for a little bit of success over the last couple of years, because I was used to, you know, jumping into a new coaching staff, new teammates, new line mates. And, you know, I kind of adjusted to that over the course of my career. So even though it's been, you know, a lot of traveling, a lot of different teams and a lot of different changes of scenery. It's uh, it, it, it's been pretty good experience so far. Can you imagine like if you look back seven, maybe seven years, can you imagine the Colin Blackwell who was only offered an American Hockey League deal from San Jose? Looking at the Colin Blackwell now established NHL player about to embark on really like it, it's not your first free agency, but like your first NHL real free agency. And having not, you're going to have a, a, some good opportunities, uh, I'm guessing. So can you can you look back and imagine that from you know all that time ago coming back from the injury and everything you overcame to where you are right now? That's a good question. I mean, to be honest with you, no. I, I look back. I remember just back in college taking like um, you know two seasons off. Um, back then, it was. Um, kind of one of those things where I kept, I remember I kept saying to myself that I, I just wanted to play one more game or just like, you know, finish off my senior year and just try to get back to normalcy type of thing. So, 
it's funny how when you get a little bit of taste of a few things that I feel like that's just human nature to want a little bit more, a little bit more. And, you know, I was ready to hang up the skates for sure. Um, you know, back in my college days and then, you know, going into my first year pro, like you said, in San Jose, I kind of, um, I didn't think I, I was really going to make it. I knew that all it was going to take was one person to give a liking to me and then kind of grow a little bit of a role from there. And, um, I, I never knew, or I never thought it was going to be pretty. And that's kind of how I've always approached it is, you know, start from the bottom of the ladder and climb your way up. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that after the season and especially over the last two, three years have gone, I, I took a little bit of time off after the season to actually reflect and see how far I've came and how far, uh, you know, the, like I said, the, it, it's been a long journey, but, you know, I finally got to somewhere where, I always knew that I could make it and I still think I have a lot more room to grow. So, um, you know, it's been an exciting journey. And, and like I said, I, I never, I, I honestly thought the odds were always against me. And I, I always thought if I had a little bit of an opportunity, I'd be able to make it, but you just never know with how the hockey right. world works. If you're ever going to get that opportunity. And there were many times where I, I thought about, you know, hanging them up and moving on to life outside of hockey. And I, I'm glad that I stuck with it. You with Nashville was Scott Nickel that guy you talk about guys taking a liking to you. I remember, and I told you this. I remember him. I, I called him talking about things, and he brought your name up like right away. Like you're gonna love this guy. Yeah, I mean, I'll always be grateful to to Scooter. I think, um, like I said, you always need one person to give you that chance, and Nashville, and especially him, was I felt like that first person at the NHL level to to give me that chance and give me that opportunity and. Um, I felt, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to sign with Nashville back then was, you know, cause of what I, I felt that he said watching me play and he really knew my game and said that it kind of reminded me uh, or him a little bit of himself when he was yeah, younger sure, sure. and, um, just hearing stuff like that. I, I knew that I felt really comfortable with that. And if somebody, you know, I, I, I didn't take that lightly for sure. So. I think he is definitely one of the people that allowed me to kind of get to where I am today. And you talk about development and, you know, playing for him. And it was one of those things where he, he all, so many people in this game, I think, tell you what you want to hear, but you need to hear uh, what's actually the truth. And, you know, he's not afraid to tell you exactly the truth and how you play and how things are going to work. And I always respected that from him. You know, Charlie, Charlie mentioned that the places you played the last three years, uh, the Rangers, Seattle, Toronto, how in the hell did you afford rent? <laughs> I know. They basically broke even. That's for sure. But, um, yeah, it's, that's why uh, I joked with my agent. I said, like, the last, you know, three teams that I've been on happen to be, like, the most exp expensive places in North America. So um, it's just funny how things work out like that. But, um, yeah, all three of those places were, were um a little different than, than one another but uh very good hockey markets oh, of course let's go back though let's talk then about like how you ended up in new york you're a free agent coming out of nashville two-way contract you signed with new york to a one-way contract and uh so that's the first for you obviously so just talk about that free agent process and uh and then just going into playing in new york and like they didn't hesitate. Like you were playing with Ty. Obviously it was a COVID year. So that was, it was weird, really weird, but you're playing, they've got some top young talent in New York and you end up playing with those guys. Yeah. So, I mean, even just talking with my, we talk about general managers, you say scooter and I just had good conversations with, you know, Chris Drury at the time. And, 
Um, you know, did you, he, when you were a kid, did you know about Chris Drury as like his heroics in like the little league world series and stuff like that? Not as an NHL player, oh, but yeah. like little league world series, Massachusetts legend. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mass legend. And I think, uh, yeah. So just like having those conversations, I felt comfortable skate, uh, you know, playing there. And I, I felt that I was looking at a team that, you know, maybe, um, was missing a depth piece, piece like myself. And, um, I always, you know, looking at a couple other teams, I felt like that was like the best opportunity for me to advance my career. And, um, it was kind of one of those things that have a lot of young talent there. And, you know, over the course of an 82 game season, there's a lot of ups and downs. And I just, um, I believed in what they said about possibly getting an opportunity there. And, you know, I didn't necessarily think that I was going to be jumping up on, on one of the top lines or anything along those lines, but, for me, I always felt that I played like that and I played on the top lines in the AHL and I always, I always had that element to my game, but um, I always knew that if I wanted to make it to the next level, I kind of had to kind of reinvent the wheel a little bit. Um, so when I turned pro, I had always been, um, you know, one of the top players on the team. And then all of a sudden I wasn't getting as much ice time. So it's a matter of, you know, a lot of players at the AHL level, they, they're all coming from, you know, junior or college or they're a lot, uh, one of the better players. And um, I feel like some people struggle um, when they make it to the next level and they don't know how to play a certain role or anything along those lines. And I kind of looked at it as a formula for me to make it to the NHL level was to learn how to play a, a bottom six role and be a little bit more grittier. And then when I had a chance to play with better players or more of a role, I'd be able to revert back to my old original self that kind of everybody grew up playing a little bit more skilled. And so I, I kind of looked at New York as, you know, maybe I'll start on the outside looking in or I'll, um, you know, play on the bottom fourth line and not play as much, but it was a matter of being efficient and doing the right things in order to get the coaches trust. And then if somebody's not playing well, or if somebody goes down because it's a long season due to injury, um, then I would have that trust with a coach or a general manager and be able to kind of slot in and kind of gain a lot of the, uh, you know, the top guys trust that way too. And that's kind of how I approached that season playing in New York. And I started um, on the fourth line, maybe out of the lineup and then got a little bit more time. And, and then eventually I just kind of played, played my game and got a chance to play with some really good players there and, and show that I am capable of playing at a high level with some of the best players in the NHL and being a really good complimentary piece to that. So um and like I said, talking with Chris Drury and how I landed in New York, and um, I just felt like uh, that was going to be a great fit for me. You know, I, your career or what you're saying there, I, I liken it to because you always look for a fresh set of eyes, somebody to believe in you. And, and for you, you get that chance with the Rangers. I, I look back 15 years ago, roughly, and Rich Peverly all of a sudden is playing with Ilya Kovalchuk. He's not getting a full on, full on shot. You get that with Panarin. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, so many players, and you mentioned that, you know, figuring their game out. First and second round picks, they might have this identity crisis and not understand how to deal with it. You had to kind of come up a different way. So you're able to maybe deal with it a little better. Your life experience deals you, it teaches you to deal with it a little better. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like maybe a lot of young prospects, they've never really had too much adversity in their hockey career quite yet. So I think some guys you see, young players deal with things differently. And um, for me, I, I kind of, like I said, start from the bottom and try to work my way up. And 
Um, so I think that definitely plays a factor, but, um, I, I also, um, you know, you kind of look at different things when you see Artemi Panarin, who's, you know, one of the best passers in the league and Ryan Strom too, I think is one of the most underrated centers. You stick on the ice. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, just, I, I looked at it as I need to forecheck for these guys and when they have the puck, try to get open and get to the front of the net. And that's just kind of how I approach things. Cause I knew that they were good enough to get me the puck. So, um, they were very easy to play with. And, you know, you've seen a lot of guys go play with them and be pretty successful. Um, and I, I, I just tried to look at it that way of, you know, maybe if you play in the minors, you got the puck on, on, on your stick a lot of the times, or, um, and then when you're playing with the best players, it's really try to find them, get them the puck and then get yourself open because they're good enough to make you know, some really world-class plays. You know, they, the pe- people would say, okay, Colin Black, he only put up these numbers because he's playing with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. But if those guys didn't like playing with you, you can best be sure that you wouldn't be playing with them, right? So you had to be doing the right things, like you said, getting open, getting them the puck, doing smart things, because it's not like the AHL where, you know, it, the, the, in, in the NHL, the, the top guys, they can dictate to the coach, whether the coach will admit it or not, they do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say probably the best thing for my confidence and my kind of hockey career was, I mean, it came out kind of towards the end of the, the season there. I think some of the B reporters found out somehow, but um, every time I got taken off the line, uh, Artemi Panarin and, and Stromer always wanted me back on type of thing. And I remember even when I would get taken off, they'd pull me aside and basically tell me that they've gone into the coach's room trying to keep us together type of thing. And, you know, guys like Ryan Strom, I think one of the things that's so underrated about him is his leadership type of stuff. And I, he would, he would, you know, he was great hockey mind too. And he would clip stuff uh, of us playing with each other and tell me what I was doing good and kind of send it to me. And I think having, you know, those two guys who are world-class players, you know, wanting to play with me and telling me the stuff that I, I was doing right really gave me that confidence that, you know, I do belong here and that I, I can play a, at this high level. And when I play a certain way, um, you know, I, I can, you know, work really well with guys like that. And, um, even dating back to when I played in Nashville the year before, I think I played, you know, 10 games with Ryan Johansson and, and he all, he, same thing kind of happened there. He was, seemed to be excited to play with me and we did really well with each other. So I think, uh, when you commit to playing a certain way and complimenting some of those guys, it's, uh, it can go a long way and helping them out too. So at the end of that Rangers season, you get to wear a letter for team USA at the world championships how did you get in that mix? What happens there? And I mean, what was that like to win a bronze representing your country? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was pretty special because I, I never really got a chance to play, you know, USA hockey type of stuff world. I miss world juniors because I had, you know, my concussion issues in, in college. And I think looking back, uh, I would have made that team, I think. And um, I, that was always something that. What year would have, what year would have you have gone 12, 13? They won the gold that year, so 2011, I believe. Okay, the year you were drafted then. It was Ufa, Russia, I believe. Okay. Uh, might have been 2012, so yeah. Was that the John Carlson uh, goal? No, that, no, I was 93, so it would be 93s and 94s. Okay. Um, um, but they had a really good team, and I felt like I always just missed out on, you know, I didn't do USA Hockey stuff until maybe I was, uh, you know, I, I made the Select 14 Festival growing up, and I didn't make the 15 or the 16 and then I made the 17 festival before uh, going into my senior year of high school. 
Um, so I, I, that was very special to me. Uh, Chris Drury was all obviously one of the uh, general managers of that team. And I played for him in, in New York that year. And um, to go there was an honor and it was very special to me because you never know how many of those you get a chance to play in. And then on top of that, to get elected one of the, the leaders of the team, that was, that was pretty special. And I'll be honest, that was a really good group of guys that I got a chance to go there with. And a lot of including, us still. Including for our current Admiral Matt Tennyson was on that team. Yep. Tenny and I played um, with Tenny in the minors probably five years ago. So um, there's a great group of guys and um, I, I just had a blast and it was a great experience. Then you, you don't get protected by the Rangers. Did, was that, I don't want to say a shock. Did, was there any communication between your agents and the team on how all that happens? I mean, uh, it, it was, and then you get picked by Seattle. So just to tell it, talk about that process. Were you surprised to be picked? Were you surprised you weren't protected? All that good stuff. Um, I mean, I don't think surprised in any of the, like, I wasn't surprised. I was definitely disappointed at first because I felt like I, you know, like I said, I finally felt like I kind of had a home a little bit and I was right. getting, identity and didn't necessarily need to be playing with those top guys it was just I felt like I finally you know had a little bit of a home type of type of atmosphere there and um so then with the expansion draft I knew that there was only a few of us that were you know I guess because they had a lot of young players there There there's probably a group of four maybe five players that were left exposed so I knew there was a chance and um, so it was a little bit of uh, mixed emotions. It was a little bit disappointing, but also exciting to go somewhere. It's an, it's an honor fun. too, right? Like yeah. that they thought that highly of you to pick you. hundred uh, percent. So in, in the beginning, when I found out that I wasn't protected, it's like a little bit of a, like I said, mixed emotions where it's almost like one team doesn't want you, but then another team does type of thing. And um, so I felt like it was a little bit of bittersweet, but then all of a sudden the excitement pops in about an inaugural team and something that you don't really know too much about and everything starts coming out. And, um, so it was definitely cool to, uh, kind of, excuse me, look back on and, um, be a part of, you know, inaugural season for a franchise like that. You know, I, we were on vacation there at the end of July after the expansion draft and we, the uh, team store is right on that lake. And I can't think of what the lake is called. All the planes land on it. Yeah. South Lake union. Okay. The Lake union. Yes. There you go. So we, we were staying at a hotel kitty corner from that team store. So we walk in there and I bought my, I bought an expansion draft shirt as they were trying to get rid of and all that. My wife is trying to be a big shot. Say, yeah, we know. She tells one of the ladies there. Yeah. We know one of the players on the team kind of well. And she's like, Oh yeah. Who? And she like, Oh, no idea. But she did no offense to you. She didn't know any of them. So she was, it was just a job for her. She wasn't. So you go into these team stores, I guess this is just a tip that maybe the, maybe the people working there don't know everybody on the team yet. I actually, I actually, it's funny you say that because I went online and I was going to buy a Blackwell uh, 43 shirt, Seattle Kraken shirt. They didn't have any of, they didn't have any shirts available yet. And so I emailed them like, when can I buy a shirt? And they never got back to me. And so I never bought one. Wow. Wow. Well, that's on them. I felt like, yeah, they only really marketed like five or six of the players, especially in the beginning. And, um, and then they traded them all. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's the, but that's how it goes with an expansion team. I mean, unless you're Vegas from five years ago, uh, that's just how it's it's going to be. But what was it like there 
like to, that first game, right? On the on the ground floor and play in this state of the art building and play in front of fans who know the game but have never seen it at that level. All of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I was pretty bummed out because I missed the first twenty games, so I really felt like I missed out on uh, a lot of stuff uh, with an injury. But um, I will say that they did a great job with that atmosphere and that rink and. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like playing it, uh, as an away team, but as a home team, um, you know, those fans were, were pretty awesome. And they, I felt like they were pretty loyal, especially when, you know, a lot of the, uh, some of the games we, we didn't quite do so well, but everybody stayed to the end of the game and, um, through thick and thin, they were a really good fan base and very supportive. And, uh, the atmosphere in that rink was, was, was awesome. I think that, like I said, they did a great job and, um, it was, uh, definitely a very, cool experience. I know that first game opening night, I was watching, it was killing me to watch from up above. Um, and, um, so that was, that was definitely something that, you know, I just wanted to be a part of an inaugural, you know, first game ever in a building type of thing. And I felt like I kind of missed out on that, but, um, you know, the rest of the season that I, I played there and everything was, uh, it was, it was definitely awesome. Do you get, when you're there, do you get a souvenir of some type or anything like that? I mean, is there a plaque? Is there a first first game in the history of the team or a or team picture or a jersey? or a, did, Was there anything like that to commemorate steal, for the players? Know, did you, or did you steal something? Yeah. Right? You, like, uh, out of I the brand new building. Yeah, I, take, I take out a seat. Uh, I definitely have a puck, I'm pretty sure, from warm-ups that day um, somewhere around here. Um, but... Um, I was trying to think. I definitely have something. I don't know. I remember taking something, but um, I had maybe the guys sign. Uh, I, I had all the guys sign a, a guitar. I collect a lot of guitars and usually have people sign stuff uh, from every team that I played on. So I've got four or five cool guitars from a lot of the NHL teams that I, I played on. So guys signed that. But from that first day, um, yeah, I think I just have a puck maybe, to be honest with you. That's an interesting point you just made because I've never I've never mentioned this, but I see it all the time, especially at the end of the year. Guys are collectors. They want mem- memories from the teams they played with, the friends they made. It's a little bit different. They'll than never be together again. Yeah, they'll right. never be it's, together it's, again. It's a little bit different than just some like a fan, but it's still the same type of thing. They get stick signed. You get guitars signed. You get team pictures signed because you want those memories. It's the same emotions, if you will that just a regular fan has. And to follow yeah. up, why guitars for you? Um, to be honest with you, um, when I played in Nashville, I went to Chase Rice's house. Uh, I um, met him through Ryan Johansson and he had um, the Predator sign a, um, one of his guitars um, and I saw it hanging up at his house and I just thought it was kind of like the coolest thing. Um, just he had a bunch of signed guitars, maybe from different tours that he did. And one of them was from all the guys on the team. And I just, I saw that and thought it was, looked really cool. And um, it, it's just kind of been something that I, I've been doing ever since. So Chase do you Rice, have I? He, he, he played an Admirals game, right, Aaron? Didn't he play about 10 years ago? Chase Rice played an Admirals game, if I'm not mistaken. I couldn't tell you that. Yeah, I, big gu- he's got big guns, right? He's uh, he's built, right? Is that, or am yeah, I wrong on big that? Dude, big dude. Yeah, yeah, definitely played. Definitely. Anyways, um, sorry to interrupt. So what, what do you what do you do for a guitar then? Do you just pick something up cheap or do you do you go buy a Martin or what do you what do you get? You got a Gibson fan? What do you do? And it, all have, acoustics? Acoustics, yeah, right? All acoustics. I have like three just average ones and one nicer one. Um, 
but for the most part I, I start I stopped getting like the really nice ones just because they one of them kind of got beat up in one of the travels moves that uh that I had so um trying to figure out and game plan for the future really of uh just transporting it a little bit easier because like we talked about in the beginning the last three seasons I've kind of been all over the place type yeah. of thing so um it's just a matter of being a little bit smarter in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's so, funny you say that. For, former Admiral, current uh, defenseman, uh, Nolan Yonkman, he's the assistant coach in Iowa now. Yonks went on stage with Jason Aldean. No, not Blake Jason Shelton. Aldean, with Blake Shelton and played with him after an Admiral's game. And and you want to know where that guitar is? In a storage unit in San, in San Antonio. Yeah, so, so, yeah. Just because because you, you're you're traveling around and it's like you don't know when you can make the move and you don't know when you got a permanent home and that's just what happens. Yep, a hundred percent. I've been there and now, now I'm learned the hard way a little bit. So now uh, trying to get all my stuff in one place. So this is so you missed the first handful of games with Seattle. You get in the lineup. Uh, did you kind of have a feeling like because of your contract status and the way the team was going? that we're all here as placeholders and we're going to get traded eventually? Um, I mean, I think you can go either way. I think that if you do well, then the team would be more inclined to keep you for the future type of thing too. And then also but at the same time, you bring a better price if you're doing well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the business of hockey. Um, so for me, I didn't really start thinking about that at all until closer to the trade deadline um, type of thing. And um I knew later on towards the season, I was probably going to get traded or be a part of a trade of some sort. So it was really just a matter of, um, you know, trying to continue to do well. Um, pretty much. I missed so much time. So it was really just for me kind of, uh, I, I wouldn't say I was disappointed. I was more bummed in a sense that I finally, I had a rough start to the season. I felt like I kind of got buried a little bit and I climbed my way out of, uh, of that and was finally got my regular role where I kind of envisioned myself playing was playing, you know, a lot there and helping contribute to the team and playing with some good players. And then I get traded type of thing. So it feels like the last couple of seasons, it's been like, I finally felt like I had a home and I was getting comfortable and then it's another change of scenery type of thing. And sometimes that's just how it goes. But um, uh, so it was um, obviously exciting to go to a place like Toronto afterwards. You go from the last place team to worst to first and really get a chance to win every single night and a legit chance, to, um, you know, to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, that first playoff series was definitely a dagger and tough. And you see Tampa still going far, uh, far now. But um, so it was definitely uh, it was an exciting year. What is that pressure cooker like of Toronto? Um, you know, for someone like me, I, I don't necessarily, I didn't feel the pressure or anything along those lines. I mean, I can definitely see, I mean, Canadian media, especially in Toronto, it's the hockey mecca of, of the yeah. world much. So, um, you know, I, I, I it, it was pretty wild. It was definitely something, um, even playing in New York, I, I enjoyed playing there, but it was a COVID year. So I didn't really get a chance to experience Madison Square Garden. I really didn't get a chance to experience the New York media. I mean, yeah, the New York media would, you know, write stuff about me, how I shouldn't be playing in certain situations and stuff, but like, that doesn't bother me. Like those people know absolutely nothing. So right. I go to like Toronto and, um, you know, it's, it's that times two or three type of thing. And, and there's people where you, you those, like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner and 
you know, they have so much pressure on themselves and they do such a good job with that pressure and they, the way they, you know, carry themselves every single day and how they, it was impressive to me. I, I never really got a chance to watch either of those two players and some of the other guys too. And, um, the amount that they play any given night, um, for an 82 game season and the pressure that they have on themselves given, you know, this year we, we didn't make it out of, of the first round type of thing, but I think what those guys are, are building there, it's, it's a team that I think it, they're going to be there for a long time, obviously. And, um, you know, I, 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 the way that first playoff series went, I mean, I granted I'm biased, but I thought that we should have, we could have, and we should have won that. And um, I think that they're, the Leafs are just like that close of making it to, to the next step. And, and when they do, it's uh, they're going to go very far. You never had the situation. I was at a baseball card shop on King street there near where Wayne Gretzky's used to be in second city and all of that. And the guy in there was telling me that Phil Kessel, he was upset with Phil Kessel because Kessel was in his car and somebody walked up to him and pounded on his window looking for an autograph. He's at a stoplight and somebody pounded on his window and looking for an autograph. And Phil's like, I'm not, no, I don't know who you are. I'm not rolling down my window. And the guy was all mad because how dare he? I was just looking for an autograph, but I mean, there's a lot of weirdos out there. And <laughs> I, I honestly, I took it as this guy's kind of a weirdo. If he's upset about that, like, my goodness, man, like you did. So you didn't have any of that. Um, I, yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> you're on young street and here comes. No, <laughs> so, no, I mean, the traffic there was pretty wild. I, I, I was, that was the one thing that caught me off guard the most was just, I didn't realize it was the fourth largest city in North America. And it, I didn't think the infrastructure was kind of built for as right? many people that live yes. downtown. I, I didn't I know that either like until right mile. now. I live probably like a mile from the rink or so. And then the Blue Jays started playing. So when you had so many people going down for a Leafs in a Blue Jays game, there there was a lot of traffic. You're so walking. Could, yeah. 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 So I could see where, you know, Phil Kessel probably uh, had that happen to him. Had that happen <laughs> to him a lot. Yeah. You know, there's, there's NHL stars and then there's NHL stars, right? And Austin Matthews, this guy is – He's a star, right? A top three, four player in the entire league. Talk about what it was like to play with him, to practice with him every single day, and just to see how good he is. Yeah, like I was trying to say to you guys earlier was that I don't know if it was just growing up or even the last couple of years. Like I, I never really got a chance to watch too much of the Leafs other than maybe like a couple of highlights. So I feel like people in the U.S. too, if they don't, follow the NHL really well or they don't have the NHL network or something along those lines you really don't know uh how good these guys are and you know Austin Matthews uh, and even Mitch and you got John and Nylander too like I have nothing but great things to say about those guys and just to watch them every single day you can see why I mean they're on another level than like you said some of the NHL stars like they're perennial all-stars and um, some of the stuff that you'd see them do every single day in practice. And like I said, I think the most impressive thing is how good they were, but how good they were off the ice too and welcoming me and um, also just being genuinely good guys. Um, I think that goes such a long way too. And I, I was very impressed. Like you got Austin Matthews, like his shot is something like I've never seen before. And obviously I've gotten a chance to play with some pretty good players, but yeah. um, he, he, one thing that he doesn't get enough credit for is his uh, all-around game. You know, he plays 22 minutes a night. He wins 60% of his face-offs. I think he should be in the Selkie, you know, category and, and conversation every single year. He 
plays against the other teams, either top lines offensively, or he takes the other team's top checking line. Sure. Um, and he puts up numbers like, like he does. Um, it's, it's, he wins every single stick battle. It's just, it was, until I actually got there and saw it every single day, even in practice, it was truly something, you know, you, you don't take for granted. I don't expect you to, to I, as a matter of fact, I don't want you to comment on this, but I don't see any way Austin Matthews in two years is not an LA King. It's just like, it's too perfect. It's too perfect of a situation. So I'm just going on the record right now. And I'm not the first one to say this, but Austin Matthews out in LA, like this guy, he's, he's, he's very handsome. All right. Stylish. Like, okay. Sorry. I'll, uh, this is, this is not the uh, Austin Matthews podcast. Uh, Aaron, you can go. Well, I went real quick because Mark Giordano is going into his 19th year. You're, you're traded with him from Seattle to Toronto. Uh, I saw him with the Omaha Exarban Knights <laughs> for the first time back in 2005, 2006. Um, he's still getting it done. Uh, you, you talked about Matthews and Marner and Tavares and, and those guys, but how about Gio? Gio's a legend. I mean, he, I mean, going over there with him was awesome. I got pretty close with him, especially after the trade. And um, I mean, like I said, he, he's an absolute legend. I, I felt, you know, he did. He was awesome for us when we, we got to Toronto, but, and you could see when he was maybe playing with a little bit better players, how we can still put up points. Uh, I don't know how much he had kind of at the end there, but you know, he, he was really a good addition to that second power play unit. You know, he he's been playing 19 years, like you said, or he's going into his 19th year, but um, in Seattle, he was playing shutdown D minutes, top pairs. Um, and he's so, he's still really effective and he, he's obviously, you know, been the captain of a couple teams now and been playing so long. He's, he's a leader vocally, but also um, people just, you know, being a good guy. Uh, and, and like I said, a good human, a lot of people are just sponges around him. So, um, you know, he's the man. I, I, I really got a, a good opportunity to get to know him well, especially after the trade. And then um, his family too, his wife was awesome to us, uh, me and my fiance and, um, really made our transition really easy um, in Toronto going with a familiar face that we knew in Seattle and they're from Toronto so it was kind of one of those things where they were going home and uh, they welcomed us in with, with open arms and um, it was really good to to make that transition with them. Charlie mentioned this at the beginning but this has to be an exciting summer for you because you have while you've played on three teams in two years you've gotten to the point where everybody knows who you are now you're established. You, they know what you can do. You've had back-to-back 10-goal seasons. Uh, you're a guy that can contribute. So this has to be an exciting time leading into July 13th when the free agency starts. Yeah, and I'll let, me, I'll let me just add, I was just doing a little work and topped by, you know, they got a list of the top free agent right-handed centers. And, worst, and who's on that list? Colin Blackwell. There you go. Right? Like, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean I- – I try not to think about that stuff because I mean I feel like there's so much stuff that can that can happen. Um, yeah, for obviously sure. a long ways away. I mean, and as of right now, like I, I, I like I said, like I love my time in Toronto, and I had such a like I have nothing but great things to say there, and um, so it's kind of one of those things where um, I, I that's why I have an agent kind of they yes. uh, deal with a lot of that stuff to so take a lot of pressure off me, but. I mean, it's still a long ways away for me. And uh, for me, it was really just the end of the season. It was a long season. It was long 18 months from just travel and 
switching teams and moving and then body took a little bit uh of a beating uh just over the course that I went to world championships and I, I felt like I never really got a break so for me I definitely took some some time just mentally to to decompress like we talked about uh kind of at the beginning of the podcast talking to you guys and honestly it hasn't really been anything that I've really thought about now I'm just kind of getting back into to skating and been working out and doing a lot of those things and just kind of taking care of my body so that you know I can be ready to have another hopefully big season coming up. How long can you take off? I mean, years ago, I don't know if you know Dove Grummet Morris, but he gave me one of the one of the great things that I just saw him at the gym one time and I said, how long can you take off? And he says, if I take off more than two weeks, I'm screwed. Yeah, because he says there's a lot of guys fighting for my job or that want a job like me. And if I take two weeks off, I'm done for. So how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, everybody's different. Uh, I don't take too much time off. And I think after like a week of taking time off 10 days, I went through the middle of like a move and, you know, doing stuff with a house and stuff. So I, um, I felt like I took time off, but I was always kind of doing stuff. Um, um, doing the old Home Depot runs and, uh, <laughs> right. along those lines and moving boxes. So that was basically like working out in and of itself. But you know, I definitely took a little bit of time off. I took more time off from skating than working out and training and stuff. And I think after 82 games plus playoffs and um, everybody, you know, body wasn't really meant to skate. So take a little bit of more time off from then. But, you know, I take you know, after a week off, I get back into the getting your body at equilibrium, whether it's yoga and still just staying active and just doing little things, everything from spike ball to tennis to just, you know, getting your body moving again type of thing. But now I'm hitting the ground running now at this point in time and um, full workouts and back on the ice and, and all that. So I definitely understand where you're saying where he was saying, you know, after you take a little bit of time off, there's a competitive nature of other people have different you know, some people are injured going into the, yeah. the summertime. So they have a short summer and other people went to the playoffs and, and go longer and other people didn't make the playoffs. So they have two, three week head start on you. Like there's so many different, you know, avenues and paths that people take. And, you know, I, I've had a couple of different summers now where I know what works for me and what doesn't. And you know, like I, I didn't take too much time off, but I definitely took a little bit of time to rest and reset and, and kind of get back to work. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I, I'd love to talk about your tennis, but uh, we would, we won't, we'll, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> Charlie, anything else? That's it. That's it. Uh, Colin, best of luck in free agency. Best of luck with the home. Um, is it, does this mean now that you have a home, uh, we don't need to talk where it is, but now that you have a home, does that mean that that's, you're renting wherever you're going from now on. That's a good lesson that maybe you've learned in the last couple of years. Uh, yeah. It's usually, you need a place for your stuff. Yeah. That's usually what I, what I do anyways, try to wherever we go, but I guess a lot of things could happen and all that. So definitely uh, we'll see what happens, I guess uh, in the, in the summertime. Yeah. Very good. Great to see you, man. Good luck to you. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Good to see you too. That's Colin Blackwell. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast. 